Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Yahad Podcast, Episode 3. I'm Yehuda Gian, and with me is my dear friend Eitan Davidov and our esteemed rabbi, Rabbi Friedman. Hello. Good morning to everybody. Happy to be here. Nice to have you on, Rabbi. Thank you very much. Today's podcast is co-sponsored in merit of that Avigail Batstella and Yonatan Ben Yisrael do well in their upcoming exams. Thank you very much for co-sponsoring. Rabbi, very, very nice to have you on this week. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and what made you decide to become a rabbi? A little bit of background about you? Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, so I was a member of the Kolal of David Feinstein, blessed memory. And since when I was a teenager, I always felt a connection with teenagers, you know, in a way that I felt I could relate to them. I felt I had a rapport with them. I was always thinking about hopefully one day to be able to be a teacher, to be a rabbi. So a number of years ago, there was a yeshiva called Sinai Academy, and some of their students were going to Pace University, and they wanted to look for someone to teach them that they should continue growing, and not only in their secular studies, but in their religious studies. So I started going to Pace University, uh, and then eventually went on to other universities that I'm involved with now, having the honor to teach uh, many students. So do you feel like there was ever like a turning point, a specific moment that made you decide that you wanted to be a rabbi? Or do you think it was just a general time of being a teenager and being able to relate? I think it was after years of study, enjoying the study, appreciating the study, that eventually that's usually a natural outgrowth of study for a number of years in a base medrash and a kolo. And it was impetus to become a rabbi. Okay. You'd like to read with us. And Rabbi, why don't you read the Mishnah for us? Yes. So it says, Yeshua ben Prakhi, and we need to have Bailey, Kibble Mehem. Yeshua ben Prakhi, and Nita Bailey received the, the previous, going to show this previous Mishnah as well. They received from the previous rabbis that were mentioned in the, in the previous Mishnah. Now, we're talking about a Mishnah in Pirkei Ovas, just to give a person appreciation of what Pirkei Ovas is all about. Pirkei Ovos begins Moshe Kibo Torah Misinai. It's interesting. This week happened to Pasha's Yisro, which is the Jews came to Sinai in this week's parasha, and we got the Torah at Sinai. And Pirkei Ovos begins Moshe received the Torah from Sinai. And the Rav, one of the most famous commentators on the Mishnayos, asked the question, why does Pirkei Ovos begin with the fact that Moshe received the Torah from Sinai and the chain of the Torah of Moshe to Yeshua and so on and so forth? You would think that that should be in the beginning of Mishnayos, in the beginning of Mestachos Brachos, when you're telling us the laws of Shema and Brachos, you should maybe tell us about the Moshe received the Torah from Sinai. So why is Pirkei Avos beginning with Moshe received the Torah from Sinai? So the Rav says that you need to know that what we're learning here today in Pirkei Avos, they are all from Sinai. Moshe keep a Torah from Sinai. This is Torah from Sinai. Midos Tovos, acting in a certain way, certain values, morals, and what we find here in Pirkei Ovos, this was given at Sinai, ethics. In English, they called Pirkei Ovos ethics of our fathers. But these ethics of our fathers started from Sinai. They were given, Hashem gave to Moshe, tell the people about this, these are, this is the key in life. If you follow what it says in Pirkei Ovos, that's part of Torah. That's going to complete you as a person. And therefore, with that in mind, the Mishnah begins 
Yeshua ben Prachia, Nita Arbeilakim Lahem, they received from the rabbis before them, and they were part of this chain of the Mesora. And Yeshua ben Prachia Omer, he says, it's a very famous Mishnah. This is an amazing Mishnah that everyone, everyone who has this Mishnah in, in their life, they will, it will be an amazing, make the whole difference for people. Make for yourself a rabbi. Acquire for yourself a friend. And judge the whole person in, in a positive light. Give him the benefit of the doubt. These are three ideas in the Mishnah, and I'm happy to elaborate on these so, ideas. I think that this Mishnah is very interesting because I think the typical idea, a rabbi is within the Jewish context, but it also could be applied to appoint yourself a teacher in whatever other aspect, whether it be in the, the workplace or something along those lines. Typically, we're used to paying somebody to teach us. We're not really used to making somebody a teacher for us. But on the other hand, we look at making friends today. You make friends. You don't acquire friends. You're not buying friends today, right? So I think that this Mishnah has a lot of deep meaning that I want to unpack here. What does it mean to make yourself a rabbi, make for yourself a rabbi? And what does it mean to buy yourself a friend, to acquire a friend? Right. So I'm going to answer the second question first, and then we're going to work ourselves backwards, okay? Okay. Kneel Khlafaver is to buy yourself, to acquire for yourself a friend. It doesn't mean you buy a friend, but it means perhaps the mission is telling you that it's teaching us a fundamental idea that you need to understand how important it is to have a good friend. It's so important that you need to be willing to invest. And if it means financially, it means financially. What do I mean? Sometimes you have to spend money to travel to your friend, to take your friend out. Phone calls that used to cost money. Maybe today's phone don't cost so much money. The calls itself. But the idea is you have to be willing to invest. And when you pay for something, you're giving up something. You give up some money. You're giving from yourself to get that item back. So that maybe that's what the mission perhaps is alluding to. You need to be willing to k'nei You need to be willing to, the same way a person buys an item, you have to be willing to pay, to invest, to give up from yourself, to give up from your time, to give up from your finances, to give up because you have to realize having a good friend requires effort on your behalf as well. You have to put time. And so many people don't put the time, don't put that, don't invest in their friendship. And that perhaps the idea of And also maybe the idea is, when you buy something, it's so much yours. When you buy it, you go to the store and you buy a drink. That drink is yours. That soda bottle is yours. Your friendship should be so strong. This Chavah, the Mish is not saying about having many friends to be this level of Kenei It's good to have many friends. It's very good. But there has to be at least one friend that it's Kenei that it doesn't say chaverim, chaver. It's as if you, the same way you bought, buy an item, it's yours. It's totally yours. This friend should be totally, totally so connected to you, so much part of you. They're always there for you. You could call this friend at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, and he's not going to say, What are you doing calling me at three o'clock in the morning? He's going to say, What can I do for you? That, this is, that's the connection. You have to have a friend always there for you. 
someone you could confide in, you could take advice from, and also he's a person who will tell you what you're doing wrong in life. A lot of times in life, people can't see their own mistakes, their own flaws. You have a good friend. He sees you. He's out with you. He sees you differently where the rabbi sees you. The rabbi doesn't see you the way your friend sees you. You hang in places with your friend that you won't hang with the rabbi. He sees how you conduct yourself in all these types of places. And he could tell you, you know what? You have to, you maybe you could do something. You're doing something wrong. Or you know what? The friend could tell you how you could better yourself and be a better person. So the value that the Torah places on a friend, I feel like that's also exhibited in the fact that I could be mistaken here, but I believe that you say, uh, Shafianu, if you haven't seen a friend in 30 days or in a month. But it's a high-level friend, that, that really the highest, the high level, right, right, that type of friend, you know, but we have to look at the halachas exactly more details, but the concept is there, correct. You haven't seen him, maybe you haven't heard from him, you haven't talked to him. It shows that type of friend that you that you love so much that the level of sympathy is so high. You're even thanking God specifically that the time has come that you get to see them again. Right. Obviously, the halafas are a little bit complicated behind it, but the because concept, idea, the concept yeah. is there, right? I remember I also heard once on the concept of making for yourself a rav that there's a difference between a rabbi and a rav. In the definition here of the, of the Mishnah, the, the specific term rav is not just is not necessarily just the local rabbi of the shul, but to that a person's relationship with the rav that they pick to be their rav from this mishnah is somebody who they're willing to be 100% open with them. They tell them everything that's going on, bad and good, and they're 100% willing to take this rav's advice. They make it. They make this rav their personal leader in life, and they follow them 100%. As opposed to the rabbi, hopefully, of every shul gives great advice. But I think the point, one of the points of Asad HaChavav in this Mishnah is that it's important to have a specific person that you follow 100%. Maybe you could almost call him a, per a person that you consider your hero in Torah. Your mentor. Yes. Beautiful. What Yehuda is saying is emphasizing a certain amount also the word lafam. See, we spoke about the chover, the friend, to, to address Eitan's question of why is he connect? What does it mean to buy? So we explained what it means to invest, to give of yourself, to, whatever it takes to have that friend. But asay l'charav, number one, it doesn't say to buy. because you know, First of all, you should, now, let's understand what does it mean asay l'char. Make for yourself a rav. So number one is everybody needs a rabbi. Every person, every Jew has to say, if I ask you, who's your rabbi? I don't have a rabbi. That means you didn't fulfill the Mishnah. You need to have a rabbi. And like you said, like you just said, doesn't mean I go to a synagogue, but the rabbi doesn't know me. I don't really know him. Okay, at one level, you're part of a synagogue. You have a rabbi, but it's I say l'cha to you. to be very personal. This is someone that's very personal, just like a friend is very personal. That's the type of rabbi. And also I want to say l'cha means you need to have a rabbi who's right for you. Meaning he has to be real. He has to be an all-star. Not all all-stars might fit for you. And therefore, you could have 10 all-star rabbis. Which rabbi is the one that, like it says, a person only learns from Masha Libo Chafet. You only learn greatly from someone who you really want to learn from. So if you have, if, And therefore, you should figure out, who is that rabbi? Who is that all-star rabbi 
that really resonates so much with me. Whatever he says uh, and his style. You know, different people have different styles. Different rabbis might have different styles. You need to, you have to pick. And that's why it's personal. I say, make for yourself. You have to tailor make that, find that rabbi who really inspires you. And that's the Asay Lecharav. And also I want to add, it says in Pashas Lech Lecha, it says Lech Lecha. Rashi says, go Latovos, it's for your best, it's for your best, it's for your benefit. I think that's what we need to understand. Asay Lecharav, this is for your good. Make for yourself, this is good for you. Realize how great the benefits will be for you. If you make yourself a rabbi, it's, a to- it's for you. Who is the big winner when you have a rabbi? Is the rabbi the winner? You're the big winner. It's, the to- it's for you. Acquire for yourself. It's for you. You're going to win on the deal by having a friend. Don't think that you can make it in this world alone. That independent person that says, I don't need a rabbi. I don't need friends. I just have my computer or whatever I got. I am isolated in a room. He went through COVID and now he thinks he can live in the world by himself. That's not the way we want it. That's not what the Torah wants. The Torah wants you to have a rabbi, have a friend. We need to be so, we need to have the right social atmosphere in life, cautious social atmosphere in life. Have the right friend. Because also, acquire for what's good, what the, a friend that's good for you. There are bad friends out there. People get connected with the wrong people. And the results are terrible, horrific. You have to make sure you got to get the right friend for you. On this topic of the right friend for you, it's this balance. Let's say family member, very close friend, and you see that they have the wrong friend for them. And you can tell this person such a good person. What happens with Lashon Hava? How can you inform this person that maybe this is not the right friend for them? This is not the friend that they should be buying, acquiring. How are you able to tell them this in a way that does not constitute Lashon Hara? See, in that case here, you're not telling them to talk negative about somebody else. You're helping them. You're preventing damage to happen to them. So that would not, that should not, you know, the Chafetz Chaim has laws about what we can say, but he also has laws that he tells us when you need to say, so that you need to say to prevent damage to somebody. So you, if you look at the Sefer Chafetz Chaim, he will discuss the conditions that need to be met that you, in order for you to go in and tell this person. In this situation, it would seem that if the other person is a bad influence, I think you have a responsibility to tell this family member and say, you know what, this person, I, I think it could cause damage. You don't realize it. But this is not the way you've got to find someone else. You want a different friend. I actually think this is a good segue into the next part of the Mishnah. Which is that you should always judge everybody with, you could say you cut them some slack or you judge them favorably. And I guess my question on this is, what does it have to do with the first two things? Make for yourself a rav, okay, acquire for yourself a friend. Those, the relationship between those two seems clear to me. That the, Those are things that you need to bring into your life to become a complete person. But why specifically here does it talk about judging other people favorably? Beautiful, beautiful question. So I once heard an answer that when you have a friend, when you have a rabbi, it's possible that the rabbi might say something to you, or might do something that you might 
not be so excited about. Or your friend might do something that seems not the way you thought he would treat you. And some people, as a result of that, they judge the action or the inaction of the rabbi or the friend, and they go ahead and they write them off. No longer my friend. I'm not your friend anymore because of what you did to me. You acted this way to me. You're not longer my rabbi. Even though you were my rabbi for, I don't want you my rabbi anymore because of the way you acted, what you said. But the reason why they're coming to that conclusion is because they're not judging the person, giving the benefit of the doubt. So when we tell the person, make yourself a rabbi, quiet yourself a friend, but we tell you, you have to figure, you have to also keep that relationship. And a key to keep that relationship is by having a positive outlook and giving them the benefit of the doubt. But you know what? People make honest mistakes. You know, you're going to get married, guys. In a relationship, it's possible that a spouse does something that looks not right, but the Torah is teaching you that person is your spouse. She's your friend. You need to go ahead and give the person the benefit of the doubt. Keep the relationship positive. Keep the relationship strong. And you should know that Sefer Chinuch says, giving the benefit of the doubt behind the mitzvah, by the way, it's a biblical obligation to give the benefit of the doubt to your fellow Jew. And what's the root behind it is peace. God wants us to live peace with each other. So if, I, if you do something that look, doesn't look so perfect, if I give you the benefit of the doubt, then I'm not going to be upset with you. I'm not going to make a fight with you. I'm not going to separate from you. And that's going to bring peace, harmony. So therefore, that answers your question. There's an amazing Gemara that the Gemara says in Shabbos on Kufar Zayin on the base that giving the benefit of the doubt is included in bringing peace between men and fellow men. That's what the Gemara says. And Rashi says over there on 127b on the top of the page, if you say, Lo you didn't wrong me. What you did, see, when you go to someone saying you shouldn't have done that, you wronged me, that means you already decided. You already gave a, a decision. You passed it already. No, you're not supposed to say that. I mean, you judged the person. You said you wronged me. Rashi, you, should, you did not wrong me. Rashi says either there was, you meant well, you meant well, but it wasn't, or there was some unusual circumstance. If that's what I think about that, you, you, what you did to me, ye shalom If I have that outlook and that eye and that giving the benefit of doubt, that you meant well, but you know what, the fact that you meant well doesn't mean that, that it came out well that, to me, or there's some unusual circumstances, then there is peace among them. And that's, and if we want to keep this relationship between the rabbi and the friend, how many friends break relationships? How many relatives break relationships? And maybe not as many rabbis and their students break relationships, but I, it could happen because the, kid, the student might think, I don't like the way the rabbi spoke to me, whatever it was. But you know what? You didn't, give him, you didn't cut him the slack. You didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. And if I give him the benefit of the doubt, there'll be much greater. The relationship will be. Your wife will thank me. <laughs> if you follow this Gamara, then you're going to come, you'll lose yourself, you'll get yourself to everyone listening, when your wife asks you how you learned tag so nice, you can tell them you learned it from Rabbi Friedman on Yachad Podcast. <laughs> Same thing in reverse, by the way. <laughs>
protecting the future husbands out there also, Rob. Yes, yes, 100%. Yes. We're talking about how Judge Allman with the scale weighted in their favor is applying to the companion and the teacher, the rabbi and the friend. But do you believe that this Mishnah should be extended to everybody? It's not just the rabbi and the friend. It just, it may be, why maybe it put here is because to, to indicate, to hint to the idea of keeping the relationship, but it's true. You have to give all, kol adam, it's Pasuk says, there's a Pasuk term, judge your neighbor with, with righteousness. To so all Jewish people, we got to go ahead cut and give them this benefit of the doubt. Just another interesting thing is that the next Mishnah right after discusses distancing yourself from an evil neighbor. So if we're giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. Before you go in, let's read the Mishnah just so everybody has the text. Nitayar Bailey, the other rabbi said, You have to stay far away from a bad neighbor. Don't join together with a wicked person. Don't connect with a wicked person. Don't ever give up hope and say that the bad people will not get punished. God will deal with anybody who does bad, who acts wicked. They're going to be taken care of. You might not see them getting punished in your lifetime. Maybe they'll be punished in a different lifetime, at a different time. God knows what he's doing. So don't ever think that the people who do bad are going to get away with No one gets away with anything. So don't, that, that's what the Mishnah says. So now, Eitan, you were, you were saying. So if we're telling people, judge all men with scale favorably, right? We're, let's say we're, we're judging everybody favorably. If we're judging them favorably, are we only looking at their positive qualities, one can argue? Okay. How do we identify an evil neighbor if we're looking for that positive quality? Because I think that's a misconception. Some people may think, oh, I'm trying to see the best in people. I'm trying to judge them favorably. But all of a sudden, they may be closing their eyes to the actual bad things that are going on. Right. So, right. so when we say judge a person favorably, that means, generally it means, person doesn't act. And now you have to identify what was that act on the surface and might look maybe not so good. Let's say he owes me money and I made up with him that he owes me $100 to pay me today. Today didn't come. Today came and he didn't pay me. He didn't come to pay. So I should give him the benefit of that and say, you know what? Most probably he wanted to come. Something came up that he wasn't able to come. That he wasn't able to come and pay me the money. I'm not going to, I'm going to give him the favorable idea. So there, there's certain things in life that could be interpreted not negative. But then there's certain things that we call black and white. Black and white, it's not a question of me judging them. It's clearly this person is a bad person. This person does bad things. It's clear. No question about it. It's not a question of up to interpretation. They didn't pay me back today. I'm going to, how am I going to interpret that? They didn't call me back. I called somebody. I texted somebody. He didn't text me back. Am I going to say that the person is, is, is cruel, is mean, is not sensitive? I texted him. Why isn't he texting me back? What's going on over here? You know, that's this mentality today. If you don't answer a text within 24 hours, it's like people thinking, you know, you're something wrong. You don't like me. You're this, you're that. You don't wish the respect. That's the mentality of what's going on. It needs to be the benefit of that. The guy he made the phone wasn't on. He was away. He went to another country. Who knows what the, give the guy the benefit of that. When a guy is bad, 
Claire, he's bad. He's an evil person. He does evil things. He lives in evil, he's doing bad things. It's a shafein rot. We he knows he's bad. Therefore, we we have to be able to identify what's bad. There are people that do bad things. There are two people that take advantage of people. There are people that live certain do things that are that are inappropriate. And we have to know who that person is, and we got to stay away from such a person. Don't move into such. Don't be a neighbor. You're going to buy an apartment, a house. Find out who is the neighbor. Because their lifestyle, the way they actually have a green foot, and you use children, and so on and so forth. You don't want to be connected with them. That's why the next mission says, because in a, also, it's also, in a certain sense, connected with this Mishnah, because the friend, a positive friend, could have so much, could help you so much, could help you as a person. Everyone needs a friend to help them. And therefore, a neighbor, a neighbor has the ability to become a big friend, because you're always connected to them, but you have to make sure if he's a bad neighbor, that's not the friend that you want. Therefore, the Mishnah says again, I spoke to you about acquiring a friend, but make sure it's the right friend, comes Nita Bailey. It shouldn't be a bad neighbor. It shouldn't be a wicked person as your friend. That He shouldn't be a part of your group, your social, you know, that wicked person. He's my friend. I'm hanging with that wicked guy. That guy who spits in the face of his parents, acting in a very wicked way. Like Moshe Rabbeinu called somebody, Russia Lama Sakariyach, a guy who's violent, a guy who doesn't control his hands, he gets violent. But I will define as Rasha. There's a lot of things that people could make themselves into a Rasha. That is what we got to stay away from. And then you talk about the Rasha. Don't get connected to Rasha. But then you might say, hey, the Rasha doesn't look like he's getting punished. He looks like he's living in a life. Therefore, the Mishnah concludes. Don't worry. He's going to get punished. Don't think he's going to have a free, free ride. It's no free ride. He's going to get it. Hashem will deal with him. Don't worry. As my father of blessed memory said, when it comes, when the nations of the world start up with the Jewish people, they all get it. They all get it at the end. Nobody gets a free ride. And that same thing with any Russia on an individual basis, a wicked person, he's going to get it. We might not see it, but trust God. Rabbi, I think that we've touched on a lot. I'm really excited. We really got to dive into that Mishnah. How do you say we can take this and really apply it into our own lives? We touched on a lot, so maybe if we can dissect it in maybe one specific part of it, what do you think we should focus on about maybe bringing to our own everyday lives? How can us here, as well as the listeners, how can everybody just incorporate something they're learning here into their daily life? So I think everyone needs to be honest, look themselves in the mirror, so to speak, and be honest with themselves and say, do I have, really have a rabbi? Do I have a rabbi? But like Yehuda said, not just a rabbi, a rabbi that's very personal. I say lacha. It's to you, very close, that relationship. Do I have one? And if I don't have that close rabbi that I could confide in, that I'm able to ask my questions to, then I need to make moves. I need to say, I have to try to be on the look to find. I say, I got to make it. I got to create it. Like you spoke about the word, I say. To make it for yourself. You got to be proactive. Judaism requires we need to be proactive Jews to make it as a Jew. Action. Action. My father was Rabbi London. He was about Torah activism. That's what we need to be focused as a Jew. So therefore, we need to be asay lecha. We got to put, we got to make that a reality. And the same thing with kneel lecha chavit. We're supposed to look at himself and say, I have a lot of friends. You might have a lot of friends, but do I have this one? Do I have at least one friend 
that I know that I could turn to at any time. It's always available for me. I told you before, you call him three o'clock in the morning, he's not going to say, why'd you wake me up? If a guy responds like that, that's not the real friend. That's not the friend that Pesha's talking not about. For you. That's not That's not the knell of a faver. That's not the faver that we're talking about. You have to ask yourself, do I have one friend that's going to be that, that type of guy that I could always rely on, that's always there, whatever you need, they're there. They'll do whatever they can, whatever they can do for you. Do you have that one friend? And then you have to say to yourself, how's my attitude? Do I have a positive attitude? Is my attitude positive enough or is it very negative? Or even not very negative, even slightly negative, slightly negative. Do I have that good eye? Do I have that look at that vision? Do I give people the benefit of that? Am I a person that talks bad about people? I'm a person that likes to talk positive. I don't want to hear bad about people. I'm not interested. That's the type, that's what you have to ask yourself. Where am I? Am I that person that gives the benefit of doubt? And that's going to be the key to implement these three things. I think just touching back on the friend part, I think not only identifying the friend, but maybe thinking, do I invest enough time? Do I invest, in general, enough into this friendship? Sometimes a small little gift of a friend, you know, a small $5 thing can make their day and can just strengthen your friendship. It's important, I, I don't know if you agree with that, but I think it's, it's very important to look about the small things. I one time heard small people do great things, great people do small things, whether it be in a marriage, in a friendship, or whatever else. I don't think the investment in a friend necessarily means you have to buy them a car for their birthday, because that's <laughs> kind of a great thing, you know, it's like, wow, but that type of a friendship, it becomes very toxic and not so good. It's about the small things every day in life. It's about texting them to make sure they're doing okay and say, hey, how, how's your exam studying going? How's your, your day going? Maybe getting them their favorite food from time to time as a thank you for something or just showing them you care, whether it be in a friendship, a marriage, even with a rabbi in that sense. I think that Really just understanding the small things in life and being there for them is how I'm, I'm really going to work on the to really acquire yourself a friend. I think it's about all of the small things and that's what I'm going to take for me and how to apply it to my life. Okay. Very good. So nice. One thing that, that I also want to take away from this is specifically in the second mission we talked about to stay away from a bad neighbor. We say a bracha every morning, asking Hashem to keep us away from a bad friend, a bad neighbor, and from the Eitz Hara. And I think something very interesting about putting the Eitz Hara, our evil and our own evil inclination, in the same group as a bad friend or a bad neighbor, is also at the same time tied into this idea of judging people favorably. Where, you know, a lot of times the worst things that we see in other people are actually we only see it because we see it in ourselves as well. And we, maybe we don't want to admit that to ourselves. So I think the worst friend a person can have is actually the Sahara. And it's maybe one of your friends who you've been friends with for a long time does something to upset you. Like, like you said, Rabbi, so something you, maybe you don't think is okay. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad friend, but maybe it's an opportunity 
to look inside and see what our own individual bad friend is trying to get us to think or get us to do. So I think I this has been very helpful to give me more kavana when I say that bracha every morning, especially as someone who has been saying it since basically I could talk. It's often hard to keep kavana, so this is actually really good chizuk for me. Beautiful. Without further ado, thank you very much, Rabbi, for joining us. It has been absolutely wonderful discussing these Mishnayas with you. And we hope hope to have you on again soon. I want to thank you both for your investing in the Jewish community. And like I mentioned to you earlier before the recording, the special Misha Beruch that every shul in the world says for you guys, we say every Shabbos, anybody who's involved, communal service faithfully for no ulterior motives but just for the helping the community for you and this other brachas that are given blessings that are given such people and we hope other people will be inspired by your wanting to do this podcast to to inspire people and they should do in their own way acts of inspiration like in this week's parsha, Moshe speaks to Yisro, the Rebbeinah Bachai points out, and there's an introduction to the parsha, where Moshe inspires Yisro, and he tells him about all the miracles to inspire him. And we hope other people will learn from this podcast to also try to work on inspiring others as well. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi. It was great having you on. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone.